Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey, welcome to the podcast. This is Guy Jeans, your host. And I've got a special guest tonight. This is uh, Evan Moore. How you doing, Evan? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet, man. Super stoked to have you on the show. Um, I'm going to ask something just right off the bat, and because um, I know everybody wants to know this. I'm going to get into your history and all that stuff, but... You know, right off the bat, when I see you go off uh, a waterfall, the first question I ask myself is, how do you survive that? <laughs> and I, 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 I don't understand how you guys can go off a waterfall that high or maybe even higher, right? Yeah. Sometimes. Um, you know, it comes, all extreme sports, it comes yeah. down to your confidence. One, you have to have confidence in what you're doing to pull it off. Yeah. Uh, number two, your preparation you have to be ready to, you know, throw yourself off of a hundred plus foot tall waterfall yeah. and you need to build up to it. So, you know, we're not going out there and the first waterfall you're running is not going to be a hundred footer. You yeah. know, you're going to start off with a 10 footer and then a 20 footer and then yeah. a 50 footer and work yourself up that way. You know, that way while you, you know, while you're running the waterfall, while you're in these situations, you have the skill, the ability, the confidence to successfully and safely do it. Um, with all extreme sports, sometimes things, you know, go great and other times they go wrong. Um, but we want to be prepared for all those situations and mentally you have to be prepared for, you know, 99% of the time things going well. And you also have to prepare yourself for those, you know, times that it could go wrong. And it comes down to, you know, being with the right people and really sure. trusting who you're with. Um, so yeah, that's really what it comes down to. So I, you know, I, and you guys out there listening to this podcast, um, Evan Moore is a extreme kayaker who just happens to live in our hometown of Kernville here. And, um, I, if you guys want to see something crazy, go on, look up, uh, Evan Moore kayaking on YouTube and you'll be able to see him, uh, doing some pretty crazy stuff, uh, in my eyes for sure. Um, but I guess when you guys are going off, I, I saw you go off a couple of different ways down those those waterfalls one time I saw you go kind of sideways where you kind of cut into the wave and you and you came into the the current or the the white water and you kind of went sideways and landed and you pulled that off another time I saw you go straight down into the water and then you just pop up and my question is like when you are dropping that far from that high up and you're hitting the water at that fast are you doing like a kind of like a duck dive type thing like a surfer does and then pop out or are you hitting it like right on or how does that I mean how do you how do you do that I mean um is your body getting jolted or how does how do you how does that work yeah so the majority of your of running a big waterfall like that is your setup and what happens off the lip of the waterfall 
and rivers are very dynamic waterfalls are very dynamic and every waterfall is different um so depending on the type of lip that it is um whether it's you know a completely flat lipped where the water just rolls off of it perfectly or has some sort of angle to it will depend on kind of how you initiate your your first stroke off the waterfall mm-hmm. uh, but the main objective of every waterfall that's substantial in height is to land perfectly vertical um, and then being as tucked up as possible whether that's holding on to your paddle or throwing it um, if you hold on to your paddle, you're going to tuck to your side with your head straight down and minimize that surface area as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that impact that's going to come yeah. to your body. Um, the biggest thing you do not want to do is land flat. Yeah. Um, cause if you go off the waterfall and the, you know, you're not landing in that perfect pencil, then yep. you're just exposing your back to serious impact. Okay. You know, the, the nose of the boat will penetrate the water and you want to go as deep as possible. Um, whereas if you land flat, it's basically like pancaking, you know, on a jack you up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so you're actually hitting it with the nose straight in, straight down. Okay. Yeah. Now, depending on the size, mm-hmm. um, that will depend on how you want to land. Uh-huh. So say if it's a 30 footer, you do what we call a boof and a boof is basically coming off the lip of the waterfall and landing at some sort of angle. That's not perfectly vertical. Right. And the reason you do that is. You know, sometimes you want to stay upright uh, because there could be something dangerous downstream, a cave, a, you know, a sieve, anything like that. Um, so it really just depends on each individual drop that you're running of how you want to run it. Um, but the main thing it comes down to is, you know, making sure you have that confidence and that ability to do it and then being surrounded by a team that can help you if things go wrong. Right. So. So, um, have you ever been going down a waterfall and then noticed that you're in the wrong position? Definitely. The tallest, <laughs> the tallest waterfall I've ever run, um, yeah. which, is, which is Alexandra Falls up in the Northwest Territories, Canada. It's a 110 footer, uh-huh. uh, really big. It was a pretty substantial jump for me, um, my progression. I'd run, you know, 70, 80, 90 footers pretty regularly, but going from that to a 110 was a big difference just with the speed that you fall from that you fall with. Um, but as I came off the lip of that one, my bow started to come up. Uh, but one thing with, you know, running a waterfall that big is you do have a little bit of extra time to get your bow down. So I certainly didn't have the best line in the world off of it and would maybe like some redemption at some point on that thing. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, it's a different beast running those waterfalls that are a hundred plus feet tall. Um, but yeah, so that one, you know, is one yeah. that stands out, but there's multiple, you know, others that I yeah. have not had good lines off of. And then there's a bunch that I've had great lines off, lines off of as well. Have you gotten hurt ever? Not seriously. Oh, um, waterfalls tend to hurt your ribs. Um, I was going to say, it's got to hurt something. Yeah. So, uh, I've, I've jacked up both sides of my ribs and my sternum, but nothing, uh-huh. nothing major. Yeah. Um, I've been pretty fortunate. A lot of kayakers have shoulder injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, I've stayed away from that, luckily, knock on wood. Uh, but I try to stay in, in good physical shape. And I'm a bigger guy than, than most kayakers are. Um, so I think that that definitely plays into it. And I have years of lifting experience and you know playing collegiate football back yeah. in the day. So well, I want to talk to you about that for sure. Yeah, so I think that that all kind of comes into play with it. But staying yeah. physically fit and strong is huge for, for being a – top level kayaker yeah and you started um i I read somewhere that you started 
kayaking when you were six is that right or you were in a boat or at six yeah, or something I was, or? I was in a boat younger than that oh, okay. um but right, i'm sure yeah <laughs> but yeah really starting to kayak and running the lickety section here which is mm-hmm. you know from kr3 down to town i started doing that regularly when i was five six years old in, uh, in a little kayak mm-hmm, yeah Sweet. i got i got lucky i i was getting into kayaking right at the same time that Dane Jackson was. Uh, Dane's a year or two older than I am, and he uh, he is the greatest kayaker of all time at this point. I mean, the kid is absolutely phenomenal. And luckily, his dad, Eric Jackson, who is a world champion kayaker as well, uh, he started a kayaking manufacturing company called Jackson Kayak. Yeah, yep. I've seen those around. Yep, sure. uh, they're you know very well known now. But the first boat he made was a boat to fit Dane. And even though Dane is a couple years older than me, he's always been much smaller. He's a little uh-huh, guy. Uh-huh. So I just benefited from having a kayak that young that, that fitted me and allowed my progression to take off from the beginning instead of, you know, being a, a Gumby in a big old boat. Um, so that was that was huge. I saw you, I think, man, when when on the river going down Lickety when you were real young. Yeah, definitely. For you sure. know, I, I did it all the time. I became obsessed with it at a young yeah. age, you know, yeah. uh, I kayaked to elementary school here at Kernville. You know, I would go up and my dad would wake me up early in the morning and him and I would go paddle from care three down to, you know, right here in in town. And then I'd walk up to school and I would, I would do that a lot. Yeah. So I spent a lot of time in the mountains and particularly kayaking, but also doing a bunch of other sports around here as well growing up. Um, and yeah, but it's been a, so you were talking about college, um, football. Did you play high school football around here? Uh, so I played high school football down in Bakersfield. Okay. Um, I spent my elementary and middle school years up here, went to school here, but I was always going down to Bakersfield for club sports and, and, you know, basketball, football, soccer, everything. Okay. I felt like I was going to Bakersfield five yeah. times a week for sports. Yeah. I'm fortunate that I had that experience and that my, my family allowed me to do that. So what, what uh, high school did you go to? I went to uh, Frontier. It's, oh, okay. uh, it's in Bakersfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the bigger ones in Bakersfield uh-huh. and went there cause, uh, you know, as Time went on for me. I really became obsessed with with football and wanting to uh, be a collegiate athlete and, and play football in college. So, Bakersfield and Frontier gave me the best opportunity to do that. And yeah, I chased that for a few years Did you? while I was kayaking still and, and doing all these other mountain sports. Um, but yeah, that was. So then uh, you went to? Did you go to a college after that? And I did. So yeah. I. Uh, I had a pretty crazy recruiting scene um, in high school with football. I went from, you know, being a very highly recruited quarterback um, out of Bakersfield to getting hurt and losing some scholarship offers and uh, just a whirlwind of emotions with all that. It was something I worked so hard for. Uh, I actually, uh, right out of high school, couldn't make up my mind of what I wanted to do and ended up just kind of saying screw it and went up to British Columbia and kayaked for a, my whole so it was supposed to be my whole first semester of of college and you know fall during the football season and went up there and and paddled and had a great time uh, it was one of my first well it was my first solo um international trip i was 19 years old um, good for you man yeah it was awesome sometimes then, you got to do that stuff yeah definitely and it, yeah. it definitely gave me perspective and made me realize that i wasn't ready to give up on football so i came back and started training again and then found myself up in Sacramento and, and played there. Um, and it was perfect timing with, you know, the, the five-year drought that we had from, you know, 2012 to uh, 20, yeah. you know, 15, yeah. 16, whatever it yeah. was. Yeah, yeah. And we had no water to kayak here. Right. So I was 
very dedicated with football, but then 2016 kind of, you know, the winter started getting a little better. I was uh-huh. up in Sacramento, which is also a, a Mecca for, for whitewater and found myself, you know, going to, to paddle and uh-huh. getting off the river and hustling back to, to football practice and all those things. And then eventually after a season of playing up there, I, uh, just decided that I wanted to kayak and, uh, you know, it was a kind of a tough, it was a really tough decision. I was totally changing my, my lifestyle to pursue kayaking and, you know, to go back just a little bit, I was already a sponsored kayaker when I was, when I was a kid, um, was fortunate enough to have people that wanted to support me and companies wanted to support me back in the day. Um, and it was already, you know, running class five by the time I was 11, 12 years old. So it wasn't just a you know, I didn't kayak and then now I'm hopping back into it. It was more just a transition to, I'm going to dedicate my life to the river and to kayaking versus doing it more recreate recreationally. Um, and decided to do that and convinced my parents to let me take online classes with school. And that lasted about six or one semester. And my grades were terrible because I was kayaking <laughs> yeah and you know kayak, i love it i love it yeah most most rivers that we go kayaking on are hours and hours away from cell service to take classes online um so then after that it came down to a decision of all right well, how do i make this work how do i become successful and still be able to change my passion kayaking and fortunate enough for me my family owns sear south which is one of the big rafting companies and kayak schools and we're the, you know, we're one of the adventure, adventure companies here in Kernville. Yeah. Um, Shout out to Tom and Marianne. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> They're awesome. Um, so during that time was the first time I really had the conversation with my dad who founded Sear South with my aunt Marianne mm-hmm. uh, about potentially taking it over. Um, and, but I told him I'm not ready to do this now. Yeah. So he was okay with that. Let me drop out of school and now you know, five years later, whatever it's been, five, six years, I've traveled to yeah, 20 what? plus different countries kayaking. Really? And now I'm here and slowly taking over the business and, and transitioned into that as well. So, oh man, that's awesome. Where, where did you go? Like what, what countries did you go? Or what countries didn't you go to? Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like, um, man, what I've was been... your favorite? What was your favorite place you've ever been? That's a tough question because mm-hmm. so many places are so awesome. Yeah. Um, my favorite so far has been Pakistan. Wow. Um, mainly just because it was the the river we went to do, the Indus, which is a you know historically very prominent river, just with uh, you know the whole Central Asia. That's their water source for their agriculture and and farming and food there. Um, Major rapids too, and huge rapids. Oh, I mean sweet. the the biggest rapids really that have been been kayaked. Um, and yeah, that place was, was amazing. So that was, that was in 20, into 2019. Um, and then, you know, places that I could see myself, you know, living in for, for a period of time or, you know, maybe taking business ventures down to another place would be, uh, Chile in South America. Yeah. It's a lot like California. It's good fly uh, fishing there, but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. 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 The river that, you know, we yeah. want to maybe go down to is, uh, is great for fishing. Yeah. That's yeah. what I've heard. Yep. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. So, so awesome. when you go to these rivers, like in Pakistan or wherever you go, are you scouting them prior? And that was the an- another question I had that I wanted to ask you back in the waterfall section <laughs> is 
when you guys are going off these waterfalls, are you guys like going in to the waterfall prior to like kind of check for rocks or anything? Or are you guys just going for it? So it depends. Yeah. Uh, if the waterfall has been run before, okay. you know, we know that there's, Got we, it. we know what happened. Okay. You know, kayaking is a small sport. We, yeah. we know the top it's end kayakers and gone. we're all friends. So we, yeah. we talk about these places that we want to go and these rivers we want to do or the waterfalls we want to run. Um, so it depends, you know, if we're going to do a big expedition somewhere or a first descent, then it's totally on us and it comes down to a ton of Google earth scouting and, and all of those type of things. Yeah. Um, and then for the rivers that are, have been done before, um, then we, the ones we feel confident about, you know, the crew that I typically paddle with, we, we feel pretty confident that if, if someone else has done it, then, then we should be able to figure it out. You know, it doesn't yeah. mean we'll do it as well as the other people did, but we should be able to figure it out with talking to them prior and getting their beta and then dropping in and, and okay. figuring it out. So, yeah, I was wondering about that because you got to scout some of that stuff. I'm sure. Oh, right? of course. Yeah, you got to go look at it. Right. Oh, of course. I mean, yeah. we're scouting all the time. I don't know if it was That's you, but I was watching on a video. It looked like maybe it was you. You were, somebody was standing on top of the waterfall looking down. Was that you? Yep. Yep. <laughs> Yep. So, you know, that's, that's, okay. cru that's crucial. Okay. You know? So do you get nervous or um, you get, get, you just get psyched? I mean, what is the feeling that you have? Like when you're getting ready to go rush it, is it just pure adrenaline kind of a thing and you're just going for it? No, it's not pure adrenaline uh, because if I feel like if I ran just off of that, I would probably not be here right now. Yeah. You know, it's a dangerous sport. There's yeah, a lot yeah. of things that could happen. So yeah. I really try to go into every rapid, every waterfall, whatever I do with a clear conscious, and really think about whether or not I could do it. I mm -hmm. eliminate my feelings mm -hmm. and I look at it strictly on, okay, I see the line. Mm -hmm. Do I have the capability of doing it? Mm -hmm. And if I do, then I'll do it. Mm -hmm. um, if I'm feeling it, if I don't, then I turn away from it. And I walk away. Okay. Um, it has to be that black and white. I, it, for me, at least, you know, there's some people that operate differently, Yeah. but for me, I have to look, I have to look at it that way. Um, that I, way when I'm dropping into one of those monstrous rapids, I have no doubt. I saw you go on one of the videos. I saw you go through, it was pretty, it was a, it was, I think it was a, about three or four rapids you went through and then a waterfall on the end. And then afterward you're just like, yeah, you're all super stoked. I mean, that must be yeah. a rush, right? Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, I'm, all your bros are there waiting for you or yeah, of course. whatever. And I don't want to make it sound like I'm not an adrenaline junkie because yeah. I absolutely am. I <laughs> crave those feelings all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but I crave the feeling of being at the bottom Yeah, and that exact, that cheering and, you know, seeing your friends down at the bottom and after lacing a, a waterfall or rapid, that's the best feeling in the world. Mm -hmm. um, but again, from the beginning, yeah. You know, when we're scouting and all that, I try to take all that emotion out. That way I'm just clearly thinking about what I have to do because it, to me, it, it demands that much respect. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to go into everything with that clear, clear mind. For sure. Yeah. What a, what, it's almost like meditation, man. You got to be focused and yeah. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you was, um, when you're going down, like, let's, let's talk about the, the cataracts mm -hmm. in the lower Kern when you're going down there. So um, let me tell everybody what that is. Like the lower Kern is considered a pretty intense, uh, river to fit or river to fish <laughs> river to kayak. And, um, and the cataracts, is that like one of the, 
gnarliest rapids down there that you guys do? Is that? Yeah. So, you know, the lower current's pretty long. Yeah. Um, from Lake Isabella down to Bakersfield is the lower current. Yeah. And those first 20 miles are where all the recreation happens from whitewater rafting, the camping, really all of that is there. Yeah. And then down below, once you get into, you know, for the people who have driven up, you know, 178 before all the windy parts. Yes. Um, that's where things start to get really big. Um, you can see how big the boulders are down there and the gradient down there is much more than any other part of the Kern. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. All those big boulders. Oh my God. Yeah. It's huge. Um, and, and during those high water years, like we've had recently in 2017 and 2019, uh, you know, when the river's above 3,500, you know, 4,000 CFS down there, it's as big of white water and as much of a proving grounds and, uh, you know, as there is anywhere in the world. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. And that's such a huge part of me and why, you know, I've been able to do the things I've done is because, you know, over the last few years, we had two really solid water years that allowed us to have that in our backyard and paddle, you know, 50 to 70 days down there on some of the most intense whitewater, you know, in the, in the world. And it does, you do become comfortable out there at least to some point. So so the cataracts, is it a class five? Oh yeah, from five plus. Five plus. Yeah, I mean, some of the rapids down there, some of the biggest rapids that have still ever been run in a kayak. Um, so, so yeah, it's it's, it's huge. It, it's and, it's full on. And all kinds of dangerous like holes and stuff that you guys can get into trouble with. I'm yeah, sure, absolutely. Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. one of the one of the worst swims that I've ever taken in my life. And for people that don't know, coming out of your kayak and swimming and uh, oh. and those bigger rapids is extremely dangerous. Yeah. But one of the worst ones I've ever taken, and one that definitely sticks with me was down there. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, things things did you, happen. Did you have to swim the whole thing? Uh, so the so the whole cataracts are you know, about fifteen miles or so. Oh, um, so I only swam the bottom of one rapid into a next one. Um, but did yeah, you suck so, down and oh yeah, yeah, yeah I had <laughs> a you know fifty plus second downtime. So oh. long time, uh-huh. long time. But uh, how'd that go over with your dad? All good, you know. <laughs> yeah. He's a boater. He's a kayaker. Okay, he yeah. uh, he understands the, the consequences danger. and the yeah. risks. Risks, yeah. but he also knows that you know I paddle with the people that I paddle with for a reason, and that's yeah. because they have my back. I have their back. Um, so we're we're picky about who we paddle with, mm-hmm. um, in a sense of when we're doing the you know the gnarliest stuff. Yeah, we want to be inclusive for everyone because we want the sport to keep going and and people to keep getting better and better uh sure. but at times when you're running the you know the gnarliest shit in the world yeah you have to have the right crew so and and i feel lucky that i have have those people by my side so when you put in there how long does it take you guys like when you put in the top of the cataracts and then go all the way down that's 15 miles so how long would it take you guys so the first time we ever in 2017, when the water got really big, it got big early into February. Yeah. It took us three weeks to piece together the whole puzzle down there of the whole section. No one really has done it? or Not at those flows. Okay. Yeah. So it's been t- run a ton. It was first, the first eve, our first descent was back in the 80s. Okay. Um, but the highest flow that anyone had ever done in at prior to 2017 was roughly probably about 2,800 CFS. And we ran it at 5,800 CFS. So a lot higher and just a whole different beast. Um, but yeah, so it just really, really is a special piece of white water. Yeah. Um, yeah. So your, your favorite water you were, we were talking earlier would probably be the upper Kern. 
you know, is that would be, I mean, your favorite for the current would be, it would be the upper or the, well, no, well, the cataracts kayaking wise are by far my favorite. Okay. Um, but that's, you know, once every few years, you know, so, um, and that's controlled. So it is, it's got to be a big year. Exactly. It takes those huge years. And with the, uh, the dam construction project going on too, they had to let out more water because they couldn't let it go up to the, you know, the, the maximum pool, which is 600,000 acre feet, roughly. Um, they were only allowing it to be what 360,000 acre feet. So on those big years, like 2017 and 2019, 2017 was a 240% snowpack on the Kern. So that's a lot of water that's going into Isabella that they had to dump. So that means we... Was that 17? That was, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yep. That was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. God. Yeah, awesome. You know, uh, people ask me, I, you know, the the whitewater community always asks me, you know, oh, is that the... The big water, like, not good for you guys? I'm like, no, it's, it, it, it is actually really good because you have lots of water. It's good for the river. It makes it healthy. It's healthy for the fish, and it goes in longer into the season. You know, it's just it's awesome. Water, yeah. water stays cooler, you know, for a lot longer. It's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, it helps the, the whole ecosystem of yeah. California and, for sure. you know, particularly our valley. <laughs> right. So um, we could use some water, huh? Oh, man. We yeah. Need, we need some water. Yeah, fingers crossed. Winter's coming. So one of the things I talk about on this uh, podcast and with a lot of the folks such as yourself is, and you already had mentioned it, is this thing called making the jump. And, um, and from what it sounds like is like that's what you did. You like you were um, – playing college football, you were stoked on football, you, you constant, you made the conscious decision to like immerse yourself into what you love and which is hard for a lot of people. If you, you know, you don't realize that it, it really is hard for a lot of people to like take what's comfortable and do something else that they love, not knowing what the outcome is, you know? So that's very respectable, man. I, I think that's awesome. Yeah. That was a, a huge decision. And I feel really fortunate that I had, you know, especially my dad having my back with that, you know, my biggest mentor had my back. Yeah. So that, you know, that allowed for me to just go for it. Totally. Um, But then also having the friends that I have and the friends that supported me and friends in my old football community that were, you know, yeah, you need to go for it. Because all these guys that I played football with always would hear me talking about kayaking. I never stopped talking about kayaking. It's what I talk about the most. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I just... I got lucky that I had had the right people surrounding me to to get me to where I am. Um, and some people don't have that. But for those people, you just got to stick with it and, and do it. Yeah. You know, I want to talk about um, your dad and your aunt's um, business, Sierra South, um, and what you guys do for one. I'm going to get into that for sure. Um, and also, like, what does it take for like somebody to become you know, decent at kayaking, you know, I know you guys have, you guys teach yep. um, as well and have schools and stuff like that, but what does it take for somebody to be able to like jump in a kayak and start learning how to kayak? Um, the biggest thing is patience Yeah, because you're not going to be good at it right away. No one is yeah, tip over. Yep. You're going to flip <laughs> over. Um, you have to accept being comfortable in uncomfortable positions because it doesn't matter who you are being upside down in a kayak with a spray skirt on and feeling trapped is not a natural human feeling. Right. 
So you have to be able to overcome being uncomfortable. Relax a little bit. Relax. Yeah. And you don't even necessarily have to be completely comfortable in water right away, Mm -hmm. but you just have to trust that you could get out of the kayak, learn how to roll. Um, But the progression in the sport is not easy, Um, especially, you know, that very first step. Once you get past that, that fear and then learning how to roll the kayak so you don't have to be swimming all the time, then things can really take off. Yeah. Um, but it is a, it's a hard sport to learn. So yeah. I you have reckon to be ha- halfway coordinated. To yeah. You definitely need to be coordinated. Yeah. yeah 100%. Yeah. So you need to have good balance. Mm-hmm. I, th- I would say that's number one key. Mm-hmm. And then core strength is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you do not have, you know, good core strength, uh, which you could develop, there's nothing stopping you from doing that, but you do need some right away to help you out. Yeah. Um, but I'd say the biggest thing is just being able to overcome fear um, yeah. right away that, that is what the people who separate themselves and, and take on kayaking as a, a passion or even, you know, get into it further. Um, they're all people that can overcome fear and that never ends, Yeah, you know? So even from the first time you hop into a kayak to, you know, what we do at some point, you're going to have to overcome fear. Yeah. So, but it's an awesome sport. It could, it's one of the few sports in the world that can take you to places that, no other humans have ever been you know there's been multiple rivers that we've gone to that are you know in the heart of the himalaya or in kyrgyzstan you know all these different places that it's awesome the only humans that have ever been there are kayakers wow it's just too remote too inaccessible other than going down the river but then you know there's so then you guys are you guys camping like out oh, there yeah. Too? oh yeah yeah we take all of our gear you know we're full-on backcountry expedition mm-hmm. kayakers so mm-hmm. take everything with us we have to have multiple skills that are more than you know just kayaking down rapids yeah um yeah it's, it's a full-on expedition sport at times yeah. if you want it to be yeah um if you want to go and explore these places that have never been explored then there's a lot of skill that goes in with that as well so when you're going down some have you been to like done like africa and stuff like that africa or? is the one continent i have not been to oh, yet okay. so but i mean you've been to some places where there's you know some animals that can this upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and tacovis is your stop for the best in western style tacovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer including men's and women's boots apparel hats bags and more all Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply hurt you and stuff like that and mm. any kind of places like that. Africa is definitely the place that yeah. people worry about I've the most of, with kayakers, you know, with the hippos, the hippos and, and right. the, you know, the crocs. Yeah. Um, so I luckily have not had to deal with any <laughs> in water things that have freaked yeah. me out. Yeah, right. Um, you look behind you and <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's some crazy stories of, yeah. of things that have happened to kayakers um, oh, really? in, in Africa. So, yeah. but no, we're, we're more dealing with the elements, mm-hmm. you know, dealing with, rain and you know when we're in these big in the big mountains in uh you know the himalaya and things like that you got to deal with putting on at the right time of the year so the water's not too high uh you got to deal with these these glacier glacial land outbursts floods that happen all the time in these areas so where the glacier that the river comes from will literally burst and send millions of cfs of water or or, you know hundreds of thousands maybe not millions but hundreds of thousands of cfs of water down so you know you have to plan your trip accordingly and get eyes down there and get connections with locals and hey has this we call them gloffs has a gloff happened this year to be able to go and paddle this and if it hasn't then it's just like okay we can't go so how, so. Does that, how does that go down? Like um, you guys are all kind of watching or is there somebody like that's like the trip leader that's going, Hey man, uh, this, this country's river is going off right now. And then you guys are off and going or it's a little that? less, you know, more planning goes into it than, you know, say like yeah. what big wave surfers do, yeah. you know, big wave surfers are just looking at swells and we'll book a plane ticket yeah. the next day and go yeah. Yeah. for us, you know, rivers are pretty predictable, okay. you know, with the, with the seasons. So, you know, the Himalaya season is, you know, fall, early winter. It's when the, the rivers are at their lowest. And whereas, like, California is spring off the, you know, the, the snow melt. Right. So, we, you know, we can predict pretty much when the rivers are, are going to be good. But there are other factors that, that go into exactly when to go. Um, but with, with the knowledge of just overall knowledge of mountains and how rivers work and, and all that, you could, you could pretty safely uh, decide a good time to go. So do your sponsors cover you guys' all your trip expenses and stuff too, or do you got to throw uh, down some stuff too? Typically we have to throw down. Um, yeah. Kayaking is a small sport. There's yeah, not yeah. a ton of money in it. Yeah. Um, there are kayakers and, you know, I've been fortunate over the years to get support for some, from some of these companies, but yeah. 98% of the kayakers are fully self-funded yeah. and are doing this for the love of it. For sure. Um, but there are, you know, a few select people that have gotten money over the over the years to go do specific trips. But I've never once in a season had every trip paid for. Um, you know, we might go and do one expedition that Kokatat yeah. sponsored or Waka, yeah. you know, whoever sponsors us. For That's those. always nice. huh? Oh, it's great. Yeah. Those, those are the best trips, mm-hmm. um, you know, but it also comes with added you know, some added business pressure too. They're expecting something in return. Mm-hmm. You know, they want all the media from it. So okay. instead of just running the river and doing all that, you also sure. have to worry about getting video and getting photos and writing blogs and doing all those things. So, for, th- so there's guys on the trip doing all that too. Nope. We have to do it. Oh, you do it. We have to do it because oh. you know, you can't just be a average you know filmmaker who drops into 
one of these rivers somewhere because yeah. it's just not it possible. Gotta happen, huh? So we're also, you know, videographers and photographers and uh-huh. some of the best filmmakers and yeah. photographers I've ever met are not, you know, atypical photographers or filmmakers. So, yeah. but they, we have to do it because we want to document ourselves. Some of that footage, you know, is so fun going, like watching it when you guys are going over the falls. Yep. It's epic. Yeah. You know, we it's worked so hard at that too. Cause yeah. we, we, we want to see the sport grow and yeah. promote it. So if it's the only way to really put it out there and broadcast it, we have to get good at the filmmaking and invest in nice equipment and things like that. So good production. Yeah, you have to. So let's talk about uh, Sierra South and, and what you guys do. And, you know, I talking to you earlier, you said that you are taking over the business and uh, that's a big deal, right? Yeah. Huge deal. Yeah. So that's uh, j- just you or, or, uh, a, or a, a, just you and a group or just you? It's, so, I mean, I have your a core group of, yeah. of employees that I have with yeah. me um, that I am well, forever be in debt to. They're yeah. amazing, and they're a huge reason that the business is going in the direction that it's going. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, as of right now, it's it's me taking it over awesome, from, from my family. So Right on. Yeah. That's a big responsibility. It is. It's different. <laughs> you know, I've, I've had to learn how to balance my time better. Uh, it's important, just, man. It is. It's balance. huge. Yep. And That's what my lady tells me, guy, you need to balance. Yep. Like, yeah, you're right. Yep. I don't have to worry you about go fish more. I don't have to worry about that side of balance yet, but, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, just balancing, you know, work and my livelihood through Sierra South. And then also, uh, with kayaking and it's been tough the last two years with COVID and drought have been an it's ass crazy, kicker huh? for, for kayakers in California and especially here on the Kern. Um, we, uh, we as outfitters, uh, you know, in this area have had to do so much adapting to whether it's fires, we got a major fire going on right now and the rivers shut down and it's been happening, um, throughout the, the, the end of the summer and into the fall. And then we have drought and then we have all these things. So we're totally adapting to all these different conditions and doing all these different things. You guys are going over to the Klamath and you're going to where else the black Canyon or, yep. and all these different places and kind of adapting, which is amazing. Um, what, what else does uh, Sierra South do? Like kind of give a, besides, besides having like a really cool store right across from my shop, um, a, a really cool outdoor sports store with all kinds of cool stuff in there to check out. Um, what else do they do? Yeah. So, you know, our big, biggest part of the business is whitewater rafting. Um, you know, we'll take up, upwards of 10 to, you know, 15,000 people a year rafting. So that's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. This yeah. area is just booming with tourism when we have yeah. water and, uh, no fires, but yeah, so, so rafting is definitely the bread and butter for us. Um, but we also have a whitewater kayaking school. We're the largest whitewater kayaking school in California. Oh, really? Yep. So, okay. Um, so do you do a lot of that stuff or I do not? Um, I did years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but now that I'm taking over the business, um, you could catch me guiding a raft every now and then, which I really enjoy. Um, but I've, I've let my instructors, you know, create the curriculum and are you doing all the admin stuff, man? I am. I know. Doing all the, I know I I still get on the water, but (laughs) yeah, I have to do all that too, especially in big water years. And you know, I'm getting the right employees in place. So the next (laughs) big year we have, I can just be on the water all the time. Good for you. But, um, that, and then we have a rock climbing school. Uh, Oh, you do? Yep. Yep. So we do rock climbing in this area, which is, this area is incredible for rock climbing. 
Um, so we do everything from, you know, beginner rock climbing all the way up to if you want to learn how to trad climb and, and really get into the sport. Um, so you guys have instructors that are yep, doing yep, all that stuff. Yep. We share one, Danny house. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, one of your guys' guides. He's yep. a, he's a, one of our whitewater rafting guides, but also one of our, our climbing instructors as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah. So, and then the retail store, like you mentioned is a, you know, another big, big part of the business. So yeah. Yeah. You guys have some cool stuff over there. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, my hands are, I'm pretty hands off at the retail side are of things. Okay. Um, but yeah, our, they're, they're doing a great job in there. So yeah. Very, very cool. So have you, um, over the years, you know, you, you've had some, some friends, you know, kayaking and stuff. Have you ever had like loss and stuff and uh, friends and, Oh yeah, really? I have, um, two significant ones that uh, were, uh, were difficult. Um, mm-hmm. actually the last time I saw both of them was leaving in a taxi from Kyrgyzstan. Uh, this was a few years ago now. Oh, okay. Uh, we were on an expedition there and, you know, said, said goodbyes. And then that was the last, the last that I saw them. Oh. It was two separate situations. Um, but those are the two that really have hit home for me. Yeah. Um, unfortunately it's part of our sport. Yeah. It doesn't happen that often doesn't yeah. happen as much as it does in some other sports. Right. But the, the community is so small that it takes a toll. And to be a top-level kayaker and to, you know, push the limits of the sport, you're probably going to go through some sort of either loss of a friend, but you're also probably going to have an incident yourself that is scary. Um, I actually can't think of very many people who are at the very top of the game who have not had some sort of scary incident and the swimming, the, the cataracts are most scary or have you had some mm, other ones? So that was part, that was the one that gave me the most downtime. Um, I had another one up in Northern California on the South Yuba river a couple of years ago. When you say downtime, what do you mean? Uh, like you just, you you're got underwater. Hurt, you got, no, no, no downtime. Oh, down, like, okay, okay. like down underneath Under the, the surface water. of the water. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, I had one on the South Yuba river up in Northern California, oh, okay. um, which is another world-class river. Is it? Um, but that one, I wasn't in the water for that long or anything like that. But my Dane Jackson, you know, one of my best friends, 100% saved my life that day with a, with a throwback throw that was perfect. And I actually wasn't even in the water for more than like five seconds, but what would have happened if that throwback wasn't thrown to me and what a throwback is, is it's a bag of literally a bag of rope has about 70 feet of rope in it. And it is the number one tool we use on the river to, to help each other out. Um, and without that, I was going to swim just probably about a mile and a half of brutal, brutal class five plus with, you know, a nasty portage in there. It would have been the absolute fight of my life if that wouldn't have happened. Um, most likely I probably wouldn't have survived. Um, I don't like to tell myself that, but, yeah, yeah. but <laughs> I was, I was preparing, I was preparing for, you know, the fight of my life. But, yeah. uh, so that one was probably mentally more challenging to me than, you know, yeah. having a 58 second downtime on the, on the cataracts, right. uh, on the cataracts. I was just waiting to pop up. I knew I was okay. So, you know, I, I bashed on some rocks, but then I was just really deep in the water and, you know, was just waiting to pop up. I knew my life jacket was going to bring me up at some point. Yeah. So that was just a waiting game. Right. Whereas this one was, you know, more of a like, oh, don't want to go down that. Uh-huh. Don't want to go down that. And then the fact that everything went so perfect, that 
played played with my brain a little bit for a little while, but at the same time, you just got to overcome it and yeah. you know become smarter of it uh, because of those situations and everything that's. I try to learn from every situation that I that I'm in, positive or negative, on the river, um, just because I respect it that much and I really don't want anything to happen on the river. Yeah. So, but I also know that something could happen. But sure. my level of love for running rapids like that and doing that is way higher than my fear of, you know, something happening. So Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I see some people going down the river when I'm fishing. They're wearing like a uh like a guard on their face. And is that like normal for a lot of people or is that cuz like when you get flipped over you the wrong way you could hit a rock underneath there or how what, you could. Yeah. Um I mean it's definitely happened. Yeah. So that just depends on how much you want to you got to get up quick. Yeah, you got to spin mean, it out. Yeah, exactly. You, you got to, you know, we, a lot of people that are learning, you know, they learn one way to roll their kayak back up when they flip over. And the typical way to do that is fairly slow compared uh-huh. to some of these other techniques, uh-huh. you know? So basically when we flip over, uh, you know, me and my friends, which happens all the time, that's part of kayaking. Yeah. Um, we oh. just go with the momentum, you know, cause the river will flip you whatever way it wants to. And you just use that momentum to then roll up quick. Okay. You know, so yeah. you're not going to see a lot of the, you know, professional kayakers and stuff wearing a, you know, full face or some sort of protective thing for their face. But it makes sense for people that, you know, don't have a super quick roll. Who are your sponsors or do you have a kayak company that you're with and stuff? I, I do. It's a New Zealand based company called uh-huh. Waka Kayaks. Um, okay. I've been with them since 2019. Uh-huh. And then prior to that, I was with Jackson Kayak for okay. a long time. Your buds. Yep. Yep. Uh-huh. So. And then do you, do you have other ones that you are with too? Like, I do. Kokatat. Yeah. Um, who what are is, they? So they are a dry gear and life jacket manufacturer. Um, so they make our dry tops, our dry suits, you know, our, oh, our okay. life jackets. Um, so they're based out of Northern California up in Arcata. Uh, and they're an awesome company to work with and, 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 you know, be sponsored by. I love those guys. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so they're, they're the two main ones. And then, you know, Sear South over the years yeah. was a sponsor. Thanks, yeah, they, exactly. <laughs> so thanks dad for that. Uh, I don't know if I could call it a sponsor anymore now yeah, I'm yeah. running it, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, that's yeah. so cool, man. Your dad, yeah. your dad got you out there that early and you're just, your love for it is just insane. Yeah. I mean, it's so cool. Man. It's all, it's thanks dad. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's right? because of him. I, yeah. I've told many people this, but you know, during, during the summer, you know, he would be busy with work. And he'd be waking up early, you know, trying to get into work by seven o'clock. So he would take me up every day, wake me up at six in the morning and drive me up to Johnsondale Bridge and just drop me off. And I just knew that, you know, there was going to be some other rafting companies out there, which is also awesome. Mm -hmm. The camaraderie of the whitewater community here um, is huge. Right. So he always knew that, you know, if something were to happen, then I could either link up with a rafting company or if the road's right there. So I could hop on the road and figure, yeah. figure it out to get totally, back, yeah. you know? Awesome. So this area really, and him both promoted my growth as a kayaker. Yeah. And I'm so thankful to have grown up here and, and now live here. And I have a whole new appreciation for this place too. You know, growing up, you have to, at some point, if you're going to live in the same place, find a new love for, for being here. Right. Um, cause there's a lot of people here that grew up here and, and go down a wrong path or whatever, just cause there's not that many opportunities for people here unless right. you're in the outdoor community. Um, for sure. So going to all these other places and, and seeing the world and then coming back to Kernville, 
it really opened up my eyes to be like, man, this place is, this place is, this place is awesome. <laughs> you know, especially in those big water years, like, yeah. like we've had, yeah. there's nowhere better in the world. I mean, yeah. that's cool to say, and, man. Yeah. It's so accessible. I mean, you could drive 15 minutes up to, you know, Corral Creek and yeah. paddle down to Kernville and paddle some of the best white water there is when the water's, when the water's going good. So I got to tell you something about your dad. Um, when I first, you know, it's been 20 years, right? And so you would have been six years old, man, yep. right? Yep, six years old, yep. <laughs> so um, when I first started, you know, I, I somehow ended up talking to your dad about the area. And I, I, didn't, I hadn't moved up here yet. And your dad gave me this, like, totally, like, positive, like, vibe about Kernville. You know, it's a great little town, you know, it's this and that. You know, we could use a fly fishing place up here, he says to me. You know, and I'm like, oh, right on. You know, and, I, and it kind of got me inspired to, you know, move up here and stuff. You know, and that was your dad. That's awesome. You know, and I, and I didn't even know him. Yep. You know, I think I might have called there or something. But somehow, I can't really remember. But we taught, we had this, that conversation of how cool Kernville was. That's awesome. And uh, it's a great place to raise a family and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, so, it's huge. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it, it's awesome, you know, now you're a huge advocate of this area as well. And, thanks, man. you know, I hope to do the, the same thing going forward. And there's a bunch of other awesome individuals that live here as well. It's insane. You know, you know a lot of people don't realize the, the outdoor community here in uh, just this little town, man, is unbelievable. Like the kayaking, the fishing, the mountain biking, the whitewater community, the lake community, all the people that use the lake. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's huge. It's, um, it's, so, it's so amazing that we have that. Yep. And it's, you know, know, it's still a hidden gym and for most, most sports, excuse me. Um, and I don't know how you feel about this, but I, you know, to me, I'm not someone that wants to necessarily keep it a hidden gym from the awesome outdoor community that could use this area. I think we could use more like-minded people being here. Um, so I'm I'm an advocate for that. I'm with you on that for sure. I, um, you know, man, I, I can't tell you how many times people walk into my store and say, I've never been here before. I'm sure with you guys, the same thing, right? All the time. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, you know, how we're, we're so close to Los Angeles for one and Fresno and all these big cities and people have never been here. It's pretty cool. Yeah. You absolutely. Know, to be able to introduce them to, um, and what's crazy is, uh, you know, I remember, I remember way back when, when I was thinking about opening the store here and, and whatnot, and and uh, somebody in town here um, told me not to do it. And I, you know, I just didn't listen and just went for it, and I'm so glad I did. You yep. know what I mean? It's just a, it's such a great town to be in, for one, but also just to um, live here and experience the river. I mean, it doesn't get any better. No, it doesn't. I mean, it's... <laughs> Coming from a, from a guy who's been all over the world. Yeah, it's... Saying you know, that. It is. It's as good as it gets, and it's as good as it gets for a lot of sports here. Yeah. You know, the mountain biking here is insane. Right. The fishing's incredible. Yeah. Um, the, you know, the wind sports that we have on the lake yes. are incredible. The climbing here is another sport that is very, you know underlooked you know from the needles to all the other you know more local climbing spots that we have all the sports here really have world-class terrain and features so um and there's very few places you know across california and across the world where it's all in one area yeah you know you could go to you know the high sierra to go find some climber to yosemite to find some great climbing but there's not necessarily 
the accessibility that there is here. Um, right. And there's not the kayaking or the lake or all these different things. Um, and we're so accessible to higher terrain here too. You know, we could drive 20 minutes out the door and be at 8,000, 10,000 feet. Right. And that's what's so cool. Yeah. It's so cool. There's nowhere else. I haven't been anywhere else quite like that. So, so have you, where, where have you, how how far up the Kern have you kayaked? Have you started from the headwaters yet? Or are you planning on doing that? Or what's I going have, on? Yeah, I, I have not. Uh-huh. I, I keep putting it off to do other rivers. Uh-huh. Um, just because the headwaters of the Kern is not the, you know, gnarliest class five that there of is. Course, yeah. The Kern's pretty unique. We lose all of our gradient down towards the bottom. Yeah. You know, which is the cataract. So that's yeah. where the big rapids are. Yeah. Um, and it gets steeper as it comes down the canyon. Um, so there's other high Sierra runs and other, you know, rivers in California sure. that I've decided to go to and, you know, but do you have a plan to do that? Oh, absolutely. Day? I have to awesome. absolutely have to. Good. So I want, I would love to be the, you know, the first person to run every inch of white water at the highest flows possible on the Sweet. current. So that's definitely one of my goals still. And I still want to try to do, uh, I've talked to you about this before. Um, but a first descent of big Arroyo potentially really, I, I don't know. I haven't been up there, so I have no, I don't even know. Yeah. It's right on the edge of, yeah. you know, like gradient foot per, feet per mile, um, uh-huh. whether it's runnable or not, but I've never yeah. laid my eyes on it. I've tried to yeah. have some, some different That waterfall stories. is pretty insane. On Big Row, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know there's a couple in there that are yeah. totally runnable because I've seen photos yeah. of it, Yeah. but it also, you know, that's the most remote area of California. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. so you got to hike your kayak and, for 26 27 miles with 10 11 days worth of food and gear so it's no it's no joke to just hop in and you know go do a first ascent of that so so i uh, have you ever have you ever experienced like i don't know if i've talked about this on the podcast or not about being like like where you've never you haven't seen anybody or talked to anybody for three days like you're by yourself and you like haven't talked to anybody for like three or four days like have you ever gone that long without like talking to a soul um like no radio, just being in the wilderness and being by yourself. Have you ever experienced that before? I haven't done too many solo trips like that. Yeah. Um, it's crazy, man. I bet. It's crazy. Yep. I, when I'm, I'm mentioning that because I was up by that area, Big Arroyo, when I experienced that. And I was up there for three, or day, three days where I didn't talk to one person for three days. And you know, you see those crazy people out in the wilderness. Yeah. That's a, there's a reason why they're, they're nuts. Yeah, definitely. Dude, because after the third day, so three days, no, no people, no contact or anything. This poor backpacker was walking. I'm like, hey, hey, dude, how you doing, man? And he was just like, dude, settle down. But, you know, you crave that, like, human contact, you know. Yeah. It was a trip. But that, it reminded me of that's where I was. I was up there in the upper current in that zone and, yep. and talked to a soul for yep. that long. Yeah, I haven't done much of that because, yeah. you know, most of the time kayaking, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a team sport. Yeah, yeah. So, but I, I do have desire to do some sort of solo mission like that kayaking. Yeah. If, and if not, backpacking or yeah, something yeah. maybe that's not quite as intense. But right, right. Uh, I, would look, I look forward to that time. So what's, uh, what's in the future for you for kayaking? Are you going to keep doing the extreme stuff? Or are you going to? Yeah, absolutely. Settle? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have to find the balance between work and, and still doing the things I want to do kayaking. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, you know, have desires to, to get a lot better at mountain biking and, you know, get better in 
at snowboarding and you know backcountry snowboarding and all that yeah um so i have those passions as well oh do you cool absolutely i'm, yeah. I'm overall i just love the mountains oh, i'm man, a mountain man. person yeah so snowboarding yeah wow. all of it you know God. i, I want to love that stuff yep but kayaking wise i still have so many goals um do you? yep so you know i still there's still places i want to go rivers i want to do um i'd say some of the main ones are in the Altai Mountains in Russia and Siberia. Oh, wow. Um, that's an area of the world that I haven't been to yet that I'd really like to go to. And then the opportunities are endless in uh, mm. the Himalaya. Okay. So, you know, there's been explorations there, kayaking, you know, over the years. Scott Lindgren, who uh, is one of the best kayakers to ever live and one of the best expedition kayakers, he actually has a, uh, a new Netflix movie out about him called The River Runner. Um, so you guys could all go check that out. Really well done documentary. What's um, his name? Scott Lindgren. Okay. And you'll see some footage of, uh, of the current in there. Um, oh, wow. not much, but some, and then some other California rivers and then the Indus in Pakistan, uh, which is a river that we've done recently. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've feel like I've ticked a lot of the rivers and the things that I wanted to do off my list from that, you know, that day that I had the conversation with my dad of, dropping football and going full on and kayaking. Mm -hmm. So I do have to retool or, you know, reimagine, I should say not retool, but yeah. reimagine what I want to do. Uh -huh. uh, but I've already done that. A lot of that. Um, I still want to compete at the highest level too. Um, we have the, the North Fork championships, which is our Super Bowl of extreme kayaking that happens in Idaho every June. Uh, I still want to, to go to that. And you do, you've done that and done well, right? Yep. Yeah. So I've yeah. competed in that the last five years in a row. Uh -huh. Um, I've win some cash. Have won some cash there. Yeah, yep. that's uh, what I'm about. yeah my, my best finish there has been second. Um, uh -huh. That was in 2017. Um, but I've had every year, actually, except this year, was uh, I've gotten top 10. And this year I got 14th, I think. So uh -huh. I got to get back into the top 10. And, yeah, and man. Back we need some water here to practice. That's really what it comes down to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I know we were talking earlier, but, you know, in a typical water year, I'll paddle, you know, well over 200 days and yeah. I've paddled maybe 50 days combined in the last two years. So that's been yeah. different. Um, but it's been okay. You know, I've, I've learned a lot about myself in the last two years and, you know, having to prioritize different things and then also just dealing with, which I'm a lot of people have with COVID and quarantine and everything that's going on, but uh, just really dealing with, you know, learning about yourself and you everyone had a lot of time to themselves and a lot of time to think and do all that. So, you know, I learned a lot about myself outside of the realm of kayaking and all these extreme things and being on the go, 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 go since I was a little kid. So I have a new perspective on things for sure. Um, which I hope just helps, you know, take me forward and in, yeah. in the years to come. What do you see you, you t where, or where do you see yourself taking Sierra South? Um, so I want to, that's a good question. Huh? Yeah, it's a great question. There's so many places. Um, yeah. Awesome. You know, I want to, I definitely want to expand. Uh, yeah. like you said, a big part of living here is adapting. And one part of adapting is, you know, we've, we're in a pretty serious 20 plus year drought right now. Um, yeah. hopefully it ends soon, but if it doesn't, then, you know, we'll, we'll still be here, you know, yeah, 20, 20 something year drought doesn't mean that things just go away here, but yeah. there's good years and bad years, but it just means, you know, businessly we have to adapt and, um, I would love to take the business down to, to Chile. Um, I love Chile. It's like a second home to me. Really? Um, it's a lot like California in the sense of the mountains and, um, just how it's laid out geographically. 
Um, and then the river down there that we want to go to is just incredible. One of my, one of the most beautiful places on earth and the, the white water there is incredible. And, you know, I think we could pull clients from, from here our you know, our just client base that we've built at sure. Sierra South over the last 37 plus years. So, uh, I think it would work. And then other than that, um, you know, I have some, some other ideas to, maybe expand into some other sports and cool. uh you know i've benefited from some pretty awesome you know like extreme sports camps over the years um especially a kayaking one that i used to go to up in canada every summer um so i'd love to bring something like that here whether it's climbing or mountain biking or kayaking or kiteboarding whatever it'd be or all of them yeah yeah i mean lake isabella is such a you know world-class place <laughs> is there for anybody kiteboarding. doing that not really a school no no, yeah. you know, and, and my, that's crazy. My that's vision crazy. for that would be more than just, you know, like a typical guiding service. I'd want yeah. it to be, uh, you know, for like the next generation of kids that want to be, you know, pro athletes or, sure. or try to be pro athletes. Um, so awesome. I have, I have that, you know, those are all just dreams that I have for Sierra South. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what happens. That's cool. Cool, man. Yep. Oh man. That's really cool. Well, Evan Moore. Thanks, man. You know, Absolutely. it's been awesome having you here and hanging out with me and talking. I've learned a lot. Really cool to get to know you too, man. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go Appreciate fishing it, sometime. Bro. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. <laughs>